Hutchins Podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Hutchins Podcast. It's Josh, Archie and Seb in the studio with our special guest, Mr. Ma, who is the Global Learning Coordinator. How are you today, Mr. Ma? Good, thank you. Thanks uh, for inviting me and great to be back to your program, Josh. No, thank you. It's, it's good to have you back in the studio. It's been a little while. Yeah, it has, hasn't it? All right. Now, as everyone is aware, this is a podcast or this series is on picking subjects for next year and, and the year after. Why pick a language, Mr. Ma? Good question, George. I'm actually probably toss a question back to you, George, because oh. it's Chinese. <laughs> some why, why, did you, why did you pick up a language? Oh, well, I've done Chinese. Well, obviously, Chinese was compulsory back in grade yeah. five. And... That really got me interested. And then in grade eight was when I had to make the decision to keep it or not between yeah. French or Chinese. And I really found Chinese clicked with me a lot more than French. And and then I think in year nine, I, I really got a deeper understanding mm. for it and got a little bit, got some extension. And then in year 10, I think it's just, it's just been such a fun course. We've just been learning lots of fun things together as this very small group. And I think it's been awesome. And we'll, Seb and Archie, who are both in this Chinese <laughs> yeah. class, actually, yeah. why exactly. did you guys pick it? Oh, uh, very similar reasons. And I chose it in year eight because of that. And then, and then I was like, oh, I quite like it. I'll do it again. Uh, how about you, Sebastian? Why, why have you kept up your language? I, yeah. I got into Chinese a little bit differently. Uh, obviously, it was compulsory, but um, I play a lot of badminton, and at the badminton <laughs> hall, there are a lot of Chinese badminton players, and yep. so I started learning, picking up things from them, and it just—it was so much fun being part of that that community and culture exposure, I guess. And I really wanted to take that further with Chinese. Uh, that's great. I'm so glad you mentioned culture exposure because I think language is not just a collection of words and syntax and grammar i think there's so much more to it and culture definitely is a big part of language learning and apparently in your case if you're connected with the uh, speakers of chinese at the badminton field which is which is great and you can just pick up all the slang words as well <laughs> and, and i'm really i'm really impressed with all the slang words you have used in my classroom which which is amazing and that's learning taking place anywhere let's just Let's just clarify what subjects, at least in the Chinese yes. area, what subjects are on offer next uh, year? For next year, for the year 10s, uh, you would have two options, basically. If you look at the handbook, <laughs> we don't really just talk about the book, but if you look <laughs> at the book, uh, we have a Chinese course called TCE 3 or TAS 3, <laughs> which is a so-called pre-tertiary uh, subject, and that counts for ATA. And you can do a TCE 3 course uh, <laughs> if you've done year 10 Chinese. And if you think you're good enough to kind of progress to this level, which is pretty much the pinnacle of the entire Chinese learning career at Hutchins. So um, that's a year-long course, uh, mm -hmm. which counts for ATA. Okay. There's another pathway, which is TCE2 or Task 2, which is non-preterritory or foundational. And that's in the handbook as well. If you look at that pathway, which is really interesting as well, for some boys who think you may not be up to that challenge at that level right now, but you really want to keep up your learning uh, without really having a big gap between year 10 and year 12, if you want to probably carry on Chinese in the future, I think level two makes lots of sense as well. It's not, uh, I wouldn't call that a worse or probably lower. I would call it a foundational course, which leads up to level three in the following year. It also works for boys who may have had some Chinese foundation in the past. You may have done probably year nine Chinese and did really well, but somehow you couldn't really fit Chinese into year 10. 
uh, timetable. You may actually want to come back to Chinese learning and do a fair bit of foundation before you probably go up to level three in year 12. So level two is a really interesting pathway for the boys who are interested in doing that, uh, Chinese as uh, official subject in a timetable, but uh, you may not be quite ready for a pre-tertiary subject. Mm -hmm. So we do have two options next year. Apparently, if you are into Chinese learning but not really uh, wanting to put Chinese in one of your uh, subjects, you can still have a chat with me about how you can probably carry on your Chinese learning privately as well. We do have um, in the resources and probably um, um, opportunities for you to learn Chinese privately offline. I can have a chat with you about how you can probably go about doing Chinese without having to spend time in the classroom. I know some of you in year 10 class may want to go that pathway as well. Mm -hmm. You're not losing all the fun opportunities, but at the same time, you can uh, do other things in the same in the same line as well. And you say if people were to do level three Chinese in year 11, what options are there to do more Chinese in Asia studies in year 12? Uh, if you've done level 3 in, in year 11 and uh, let's assume you do well and pass and you can look at a um, couple of options year 12 you can continue uh, to be a private learner after year 12 after year 11 and you can do uh, what is called as HSK and that's the Chinese certification program and you can do extra Chinese studies privately with resources provided by me and my colleagues and you can um, take Chinese banding tests which is an internationally recognized banding system. It's like how you get your black belt in Taekwondo and you actually get a band in Chinese as well. And that happens with your uh, progressive learning along the year in year 12. And that can happen privately as well. If you want to look at a more advanced um, pathway, having uh, finished TCU 3 with uh, a CA or above, you can probably look at uh, the option of uh, a university course. We would normally recommend an HA, but if you, if, if you think your, your level is probably a high CA or somewhere around that level, you can have a chat with me about how we can prepare you for the following year. University of Tasmania does have uh, a half program in Chinese, which is pretty much equivalent to a second year university. That's a pretty advanced course, but uh, if you are a keen linguist, if you think languages is part of your future career, uh, if you look at, say, diplomacy of international trade, or if you're into probably any sorts of international career pathways, then having language and your belt would be a really, really good option for you. Um, and could you please describe how that um, just fits in with the lines with the other subjects, which would probably um, still be? I guess probably Mr. Seddon is the best person to <laughs> probably a good get idea. a question, but just based on my knowledge, um, you would need to go to UTAS, yeah. a study on campus, which is pretty easy for Hutchins boys. It takes literally <laughs> less than two, <laughs> two, minutes. two minutes to walk down if you walk slowly. Uh, so, and you can um, study um, on campus as an enrolled UTAS student, and you are going to sit in a classroom with uh, people who are normally be doing uh, second university Chinese. So it's, it's a far bit of upgrade yeah. for year 12 boy to actually be able to study with a bunch of say 21, 23 year olds uh, in the same classroom. Um, and now you're going to uh, go to their um, lectures and tutorials um, as required by the university um, timetable and you have to undertake all the assessment as well. So it's a pretty, uh, I would say it's, it's a pretty, pretty serious, exactly. Yeah. It's a pretty rigorous system. It's a pretty massive commitment for any year 12 because you have to juggle your other subjects and also your social life as well. Now, yeah, with that course, is that does that give me benefits? Because that doesn't give me ATAR, does it? It does give you it ATAR. Does give it you does ATAR. give you ATAR, exactly. But it also helps with the university the exactly, next year. Exactly, because you can almost double dip with okay. uh, two uh, points. You can get your ATAR from your
your hub. You can also get university credits, which will hopefully offset your time and energy and probably money <laughs> yes. as well. If you think about using some credits, you will have got already from year 12 towards the uni qualifications, especially if you're looking at a degree that contains some sort of electives. If you're doing med, uh, you probably don't really have much space for electives. If you're doing um, a degree that has space for electives, then having a language uh, will be a very significant bonus to your degree. And some of you actually may want to do a qualification which is called deep ed, sorry, a deep uh, language, which is um, which can be studied parallel to your main uh, degree. Say if you can do a Bachelor of Arts or Bachelor of Law, and you can probably do a three-year diploma of languages, specializing in Chinese, and that way your hub will offset a big part of your diploma and you would graduate in four years with two very powerful qualifications. So essentially, this is just an extension program if I've yeah. done Chinese and I wouldn't 11. really say this is for everyone. Yeah. Uh, in the past, we probably have had only three boys okay. uh, who have got into hub. I'm not saying... Um, so a very uh, you know, skilled group it's, of people. It's pretty, I, I would say you have to be very committed and you have to be very enthusiastic about your language learning. And also you have to be kind of available <laughs> for a pretty <laughs> massive commitment. You can't yeah. really actually overcome it. Because so it's essentially uni in grade 12. Exactly, pretty much. Uh, even if we have the um, convenience of, you know, just walking down to uni every day, you still have to do assignments and there's lots of practice as well to a language. It doesn't really happen every, overnight. It's like if you're actually a musician, you know that better than me. You have to practice every day <laughs> and you have to progress incrementally. Don't really just, you know, yes. have a magic spell. You don't wake up and play the violin. Not really, exactly. You know that better than me, George. So, yeah, it's, it's a long-term commitment but you know the end result and the you know the the journey is really satisfying as well being able to uh, communicate uh, in their native language with people actually from that culture is just amazing and you three who have been sitting with me today know that really well you've been able to communicate with um, people around you especially Jason also from last year as well and just you know the benefits of being able to speak to someone in his or her own language uh, is really amazing and I think most of you actually have heard about that really famous quote saying uh, from Nelson Mandela if you speak to a person in his or her uh, language he, he or she understands it goes to your to, to his or her uh, head but if you speak uh, in their own language then goes to their heart so mm -hmm. that explains why we want to uh, pick up a language even if we all speak English here in Australia it's really important to kind of appreciate we do have linguistic diversity here and it's important to understand a fair bit about what other people speak to be able to become a better global citizen well I think that ties in perfectly with why Seb chose Chinese yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now Mr. Ma you used to be a professional translator is that right uh, also a long time ago how did you know that <laughs> <laughs> Oh, no. Seb Hutchins podcast. We have skills, Mr. Mark. Yeah, well, <laughs> we can we find out anything. Yeah. <laughs> um, now, a translator is obviously what someone immediately thinks about when they're looking at a career in languages. But what yeah. sort of other career pathways are there? There's too many to list. <laughs> um, <laughs> Give us a taster. Yeah. Well. Um, one thing I can actually think about is actually how you can combine your language skill to another area, such as if you're actually working the legal world, you can probably become an international lawyer. You can probably work in a place where your language skills will be highly valued, such as Singapore and Hong Kong. You can probably practice law without even having to think about using language, but you actually use that uh, with your other skills. For example, if you actually practice law with an overseas company, you probably have to actually use the language when you deal with clients in that market. Or even if you don't really have to use the language, you 
you have to apply your cultural knowledge as well. And that's a pretty big part of how you deal with your clients and also the target market. Another thing is actually when you probably look at say STEM, lots of people are actually looking at that pathway. STEM is a pretty massive thing at the moment, but if you actually compare that with a language, say if you travel around, if you go to a place where STEM is a big thing, but the language is not really English, or probably one of the languages is actually a local language you happen to speak, and you can probably make it quite um, a nice combination with, with Chinese or with any languages you can speak. Say if you go to, uh, for example, go to China, it's, it's, it's one of the powerhouses where STEM is pretty big, and it's always on on the rise. We were just talking about that. Exactly, <laughs> and it's, it's actually pretty much the world factory now. So if you're actually wanting to uh, look at a career in, say, uh, modern technology or entrepreneurship, then Chinese makes perfect sense and you can pair it up with anything in STEM and, um, and you know, you will have unlimited opportunities. And I'm assuming you can pair it up with like, uh, let me think, like law and diplomacy. Absolutely. Oh, um, if you're looking at, say, teaching, apparently yeah. that makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. That's why I'm here today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, and if you're looking at, say, translation or probably, uh, you know, um, humanities or if you're actually into some sort of actually a combination skills, uh, you can probably say if you work in the museum, if you in tourism, yeah. if you're working uh, international trade, exports, imports, anything, then your language will be a pretty big bonus to what you're doing in any industries. It's absolutely massive. So earlier in the year, you said that Chinese in year 10 is at the the smallest class you've ever had, yes. is that right? Yeah, thanks COVID. <laughs> <laughs> are you hoping that there are more people signing up in the future or do you think that there are definite advantages to a small yeah. class. First of all, just, um, just go, going back to your statement about the smallest, I never think being small is, is a bad thing. I think it's all about uh, the, the the quality, not the quantity. Yeah, come um, on, the best. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm the case. <laughs> yeah. um, so it's not just about the numbers. Of course, we want to see more boys doing a language in our senior classes. Unfortunately, probably because of timetabling conflicts, conf- conflicts we do um, lose people who have done really well in the year nine language classes, but they choose not to carry on with the language. First of all, can I say, think twice. And, uh, <laughs> uh, try your best to fit a language into your very busy year 10 timetable because it's pretty much now or never because for something else, you can probably do that privately or as a hobby or something you can probably learn privately. You can probably even come back to what you have been doing uh, without having a big gap. But for two things, being music and language, if you have a pretty big gap, you go really rusty very quickly. Yeah. Uh, if you don't lo- use it, you will lose it pretty quickly. Most of you probably would have done music when you're very young. Uh, you probably were forced <laughs> to uh, pick up an instrument. And how many of you actually are, you know, uh, still doing um, your instrument? I-, I was one of the boys who actually who had to do an instrument when I was in primary school. But I just kind of quit along the way, and now regret quitting my music. I didn't quit my languages, which is really good. That's why I'm here. So can I just say, probably have a chat with uh, your teachers, your mates, and parents, and see if you can probably somehow fit a language in one of your very busy um, year ten electives, and see if that would um, be beneficial for you. I would say it's not for everyone, but going back to Sebastian's question, the numbers are quite small at the moment because we haven't been able to organize a trip um, to China, but. Since um, we are now living with COVID and things have gradually changed, uh, we are looking at in the hopefully in the future, in the near future, if not next year, the following year, we're going to be able to kickstart our trips again. Um, and just on that note, we need to understand that Chinese is spoken in lots of other countries apart from China. So if even if you can't go to China, there are places and countries where Chinese is spoken as well as one of the official languages. Even in Australia, if you go to Melbourne Chinatown, Sydney Chinatown, you 
use even in Sandy Bay, you probably be able to have to speak lots <laughs> of Chinese as well. If you go to say Matchy Matchy in town, you probably have to use your Chinese. <laughs> uh, anyway, so I'm still I'm saying it's actually it's it's not just about numbers. It's not just about probably getting the best marks from your Chinese. It's about the whole package, and you do benefit from you know uh, trying your hand at learning one of the world's probably most difficult, but also the most amazing languages, and you actually can uh, get a lot from your ten Chinese. If you're unsure, talk to the three boys who are in the interview today, <laughs> and they will have lots and lots to share with you guys. Did you just give Hutchins podcast an exclusive for a potential China trip next year, Mr. Ma? I didn't really say that, but I'm trying very hard uh, to, uh, yeah. to bring the trips back. It's not just about China trip because my new role this year is to organize all trips to everywhere in the world. Gotcha. So I'm trying very, very, very um, hard to bring back all the trips to the thing, uh, hopefully starting from next year. So stay tuned. And thank you very much, Mr. Ma. But it's important to remember that Chinese isn't the only language option available in year 11 and 12 as much as Mr. Ma would like to, uh, to us to say that. That um, we also offer French in the Task 2 and Task 3 variety. If you haven't studied French before, you can go and take the Task 2 French in year 11 and gain a base level understanding up to what you're learn in year 10 and then take it in year, in year 12 on the task 3 or if you've taken French as an elective in year 10 you can just go straight to the task 3 in year 11. There's also other options in uh, Chinese for background speakers so that means if you're a native speaker of Chinese you can study at, at a pre-tertiary level as well as Korean in the same vein. There's also some other language options but you're going to need to go speak with Mr. Ma about that. Well yes yeah Mr. Ma. Yes yeah to all of you. Global Learning Coordinator Mr. Ma thank you for coming on today. Yes yeah everyone.